Yes. Well, it's a privilege to be here tonight with you all. Thank you very much, Courtney, for the warm welcome. It is, yeah, no, people are laughing that we're here this morning. It's Winnie's lovely, uh, but she kind of just like dipped her head and didn't say anything at the end. Um, no one knew what was happening. It was a great moment because it got some laughs, and that's always a positive thing at the start of a message. Um, but it is an important time, and we're honouring Pastor Steve, Karen, and Zoe and Jonas uh, here tonight. So can we please uh, give a really warm, rowdy, undone. That's it. Look, I think they have, even though there's a few more people uh, in the morning, I think they have it. Well done, uh, our youth, you're very energetic. Uh, now, also this morning, we did have some special guests, and I'm sure we've got a few special guests here tonight. We had our mayor, we had MPs, we had all sorts of people here. Um, but tonight, we also have uh, Lyndon Ferguson, who is councillor for West Tamar. Come on. Congratulations on getting back in. Lyndon's here every week. Uh, so we love that, and he's a big part of this community. Um, but hey, look, this is a privilege to share, and um, Pastor Steve and I have been on a journey for, for many years. Um, started out when I was probably, I don't know, about 15 or 16. Yeah, not as, not as young as some. Um, but I was on staff here for five years, and it was a privilege to, to be in your office and to build big papier-mâché planes that filled your entire office when you were away. That was pretty good with Jade and yourself. Um, but yeah, about 10 years ago, we launched a new brand, didn't we? And you were particularly excited about this new brand. We had a logo, and there was a lot of backward and forward from Danny and yourself and the team. Um, we've got a picture up here of um, Pastor Steve just throwing stickers everywhere. He was very excited. Uh, he wanted everyone to know that uh, Door of Hope was all abilities, accessible to everyone, um, and he just planted stickers everywhere. You may have even seen the stickers on the back of cars uh, just driving around our city, and that's actually a pretty good picture. So if you keep that picture in mind for a bit later, we might come back to that. Uh, but just a personal introduction. Uh, for some of you who don't know me, my name is Sam. I'm married to the beautiful Beck Tearley, who will be singing a bit later tonight. And I have two small kids, Judah, who is eight, and Elsie, who is six. And um, they're lovely. They're really lovely. Um, and uh, while I was preparing this message, uh, Elsie actually came up to me. And I'm thinking about, okay, what do I call this? message. It's a big occasion. It's about prophecy. Uh, it's about prophets. And we're going into a new series called Prepare the Way. And so Elsie actually came up to me. She goes, Dad, 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 come here, come here. So I, I, I get down on her level, right, like this. And she whispers in my ear. I'm just thinking, oh, she's so wonderful. She's going to tell me some really nice things. She whispers in my ear, Dad, I'm the queen of the castle and you're the dirty rascal. Oh, and it just melted my heart. I thought, you little rascal. Um, but it really actually hit home to me that, yes, we are actually dirty rascals, each and every one of us. And we try and put, place ourselves as king of the castle, don't we? 
We do it in our lives. We try and control things and we forget about God and we place ourselves as king of the castle. So tonight's message, I know none of you are taking notes, um, <laughs> but if you do, uh, write down at the top Sam Tearley message, king of the castle, um, and we'll get into it. So good. But I do encourage you to bring your Bibles along and uh, bring your notepads because there's going to be some interesting days ahead where you're going to be provided with some wisdom uh, from the stage in terms of this series. So we're stepping into a new series called Prepare the Way. And in the coming weeks, we'll hear from the messages, books from Micah, Haggai, Zechariah and Malachi. And so the first question I was asked to answer today is, what is prophecy? What's a prophet? And so very simply, God's messenger, prophet, sharing God's message, prophecy, reminding the recipient, and a lot of the time it was the Israelites, who God is, what he is doing, his promises, how he deserves to be worshipped. Now the prophets varied, and the message varied, but it was a message of correction, of warning, encouragement to live in the promises of God and what he is going to do in the future. Many prophecies were pointing towards the coming of Jesus, returning to God, also that God is a God of love, his redemptive plan, how he desires to be returned as the king of the castle in our lives and our world. More than 300 prophecies fulfilled in Jesus, and many over 30 in the hours leading up to, during, and after Jesus' death. The prophets remind us that we, each and every one of us, are part of God's story, what he has been doing since the beginning of time, that he can be trusted and he does fulfill his promises. Let's have a look at what Isaiah Jeremiah says about what a prophet is and what a prophet does. It's from Jeremiah 1, 4 to 10. And it might not be on the screen because we might not have it. So you're going to look it up in your Bibles. And if you don't have the Bible app, you can download it now and add me as a friend. <laughs> Sam Tealy. T-H-I-E-L-E. <laughs> the Lord's message came to me. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. I answer. This is Jeremiah answering. O sovereign Lord, really? I don't know how to speak well enough for that for I am too young. The Lord said to me, do not say I am too young, but go to whomever, whomever I send you and say whatever I tell you. That is a prophet. Go to whomever, who, whomever, whom. Can everyone say whom with me? I can't say it tonight. Whom. Can we say it again? Yeah, sounds really good coming from you guys. Not so much me. Go to whomever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of those to whom, thank you, I send you. For I will be with you to protect you, says the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I will most assuredly give you the words you are to speak for me. Know for certain that I hereby give you the authority to announce to the nations and the kingdoms that they will be uprooted and torn down, destroyed and demolished, rebuilt and firmly planted. Now, this, tonight, you don't have the privilege of what happened this morning. 
This morning it was raining and there was a nice drip on stage and it was really good for my message because I actually delivered the message under the drip um, and it was really good to say, hey, I'm a drip, uh, but maybe all of you guys are drips as well. Um, But if you bear with me, I feel like I have a bit of an interpretation of what happened here, of what I feel like God might be wanting to, to share with you guys tonight. And that is, as the water was landing on my head, not full of asbestos because we did change the roof. Hallelujah. A bit of a shout. As the water was dripping on my head, I was actually reminded that it is like God's anointing. And he wanted a new sound to come out of Door of Hope. One that comes from uncertainty, one that comes from trouble. And he wants to anoint each and every one of you with a sound of hope. So that message is from you. And I pray that it is, becomes a reality in your life in the coming weeks and months ahead. So the prophets. God asked the prophets to do some pretty strange things, right? I'm not going to lie. They're pretty weird. And this morning, maybe, maybe it was, went over some people's heads, but I think tonight you'll get it uh, and you'll understand what I'm saying here. But how about in Jeremiah 13.4, where God asks him to go to the Euphrates River, right, and hide his dirty undies in a rock. It's pretty... Okay, Door of Hope, what I want you to do is after this service, I want you to take your dirty undies, go to the gorge, and hide them in a rock. Yeah? You're going to do that? No, you're not going to do that. That's pretty awful, pretty weird. But the point is, he actually asked him to go back after four months, five months, after some time. Go back to that rock that you just hid, your dirty undies, and dig them up. That is... uh, Pretty strange. Or how about Ezekiel? Lie on your side for 390 days. Uh, On your left side for 390 days. Your right side for 40 days. If that's not enough, bake your bread over human poo. Okay? That's pretty stinky. So Ezekiel's like, I can't do that. I can't go that far. And so God's like, oh, okay, just animal poo, right? Just do it over animal poo. Can you imagine the smell in your house? If you cooked a few meals or 390 meals over poo, can you just imagine with me? That is, that's real strange. And so tonight, um, God's not asking you to do any of those things. Hallelujah. He's not asking you to, to do any of that. But what he is asking you to do might be equally as hard. What about Hosea, right? Which is where some of our message will come from tonight. God asks him to marry a prostitute and then name his children, no pity or not loved, and not my people. Can you imagine being Hosea's child, being called not loved, and so you're doing something wrong, right, as we do as children, and uh, your parent goes to you, go to your room, and then you can just reply, well, I'm not loved. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Or you get lost in a supermarket. Has anyone been lost before? Have you ever lost anything, right? You get lost in a supermarket and your parent has to go around calling out, like, your name. (laughs) No pity, no pity, where are you? Not loved, where are you? That probably happened. I reckon Hosea's kids were little rascals um, so that the people around Hosea would know that that was actually, that message was about them um, in, in their sin that they were doing at the moment. 
So the Israelites had actually lost their identity in forgetting who they were, they forgot how to behave, they forgot who to worship, who was in control. They had become kings and queens of their castles. The problem is we do it too, don't we? We become kings and queens of our castles. We think we're in charge. We place ourselves on the throne of our lives. We miss the point of life and get distracted. But the good news is, this is the good news, that even though God's people had been unfaithful, his promises and his faithfulness remains. And we can read that in Hosea 2, 14 to 15, where it says, However, in the future I will allure her. I will lead her back into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. From there I will give back her vineyards to her and turn the valley of trouble into an opportunity for hope. There she will sing as she did when she was young, when she came up from the land of Egypt. Now, I'm not sure I asked before if you'd lost something, but I lost something, right? This little wallet thing here. Now, it might not seem like much, um, but, but it was to me. And um, yesterday, as I was vacuuming, just in a little happy place, vacuuming, Beck said, oh, my parents uh, have just uh, used the voucher that we bought them and went to dinner. And I thought to myself, oh, well, good for them. I've got $200 worth of vouchers that are lost. And so I had my own little pity party as I'm vacuuming. But literally 15 seconds later, Beck comes out of Judah's bedroom with a big smile on her face. And she's like, guess what? And I was like, you found my wallet. And she's like, I did. And I actually cried a bit. I mean, that sounds a bit funny, but I was just, I felt so loved in that moment. And like God had restored something to me that I was just complaining about in my own head and my own heart. And it gave me a bit of a picture of what it's like when God restores something. And he wants to restore each and every one of us back to himself. Maybe right now you're in a valley of trouble or you've lost something. Maybe you've lost patience or money, or dignity, or your purity. Maybe a loved one or a precious ring lost your confidence, lost control, lost direction or trust, lost your biblical perspective on life. God turns moments of despair and loss into opportunities for hope. That's what I want you to hear tonight. If you feel like you're in that place of loss and despair, God wants to turn that into an opportunity for hope. He wants to do it in you, and he wants to do it in the people that you're around as well. You see, last month, it was my daughter's sixth birthday party, right? And we had all the plans to just make it great, because it was the first time that Beck and I had decided we'd do a class party. Has anyone here done a class party? Or maybe you've had a class party recently, depending on how old you are. (laughs) It's fun for your parents, isn't it? It's really good. So anyway, we'd sent out all the invites and uh, 11 out of the 12 of Elsie's six-year-old friends said they would come. And we were stoked and we were going to go to the tail race and cook up some snags. And um, actually, I have a confession to make. I am a charismatic introvert. And so after tonight, I will probably eat some bad food and want to sleep for a long time and then wake up tomorrow feeling very tired. Just because I'm up here doesn't mean, like, you know, it's the thing, right? And so I'm thinking to myself, 
if I'm going to have 12 six-year-old girls and their mums running around screaming in the park, I'm going to have to do something to just make up for this introverted nature. And yes, I did say the mums were running around screaming in the park. So I decided that I'd be behind the barbecue cooking the sausages. Problem solved. I can just do that, cook the snags, it's all good, they can have their fun. The problem is that was like the flood of October when that happened. And you know what's going to happen. It's just rained for days and days and days and days. And so we couldn't have Elsie's class party in the park. We couldn't cancel it because you can't do that to, to your kids, can you? You can't cancel, even though lots of things are cancelled these days, aren't they? What we did was we took it back to our house, didn't we? We took it back to our little two-and-a-half bedroom house in Kings Meadows. And uh, I was like, yay, this is great. Now I've got 12, 11, six-year-old girls and their mums running around my house screaming. And so that was my valley of trouble right there. And what did I do? I thought, what's my barbecue? What's the thing that I can get behind? And so what did I do? I turned this valley of trouble into an opportunity of hope, and I did this. I put something on that was in my office and uh, <laughs> that was it. I, I dressed up as a giant teddy bear, okay? Now, I know that that might not seem like a big valley of trouble to you. It just, it was for me at the time. And so God loves to turn a valley of trouble into an opportunity of hope. You know, before Pastor Steve was officially on staff, in 1997, a year before, the Door of Hope elders and staff flew him down from Sydney because they wanted to hear what he had to contribute to the direction and the vision of the church. And at that retreat, they all decided what was needed for the next stage of this community was that we need to be a Door of Hope in this city. They weren't sure entirely how, they weren't sure what, and this was way back in the day that we ever thought we would buy an old woolen mill shed as well. You see, right now you're sitting in the dreams and the vision of those that have gone before you. It's just your reality now. But your dreams and visions for the future are actually going to far exceed those that have come before you. It's just a privilege that you have to be in this room right now because of God's faithfulness. So Hosea, the verse that we read out, has a few different translations. 2.15 in the NLT says, transform the valley of trouble, or Achor, into a gateway of hope. The ESV says, make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Turn the valley of trouble into an opportunity for hope. You see, four months ago, when Pastor Steve stood up here and said, We need to pray for the vision and the direction of our church moving forward, and I encourage each and every one of you to do that and go on a journey with us. We're seeking God. God gave me a picture, a really clear picture. I didn't ask for it. I may not have wanted it, but it was there in an instant. And what I saw was people that had a heart for our city, doors of hope opening up around our city, people that had a heart for the poor, for the widow, for the orphan, for the addicted, for the homeless, going, you know what? I'm going to turn this 
valley of trouble for that person into an opportunity of hope. Doors of hope opening up all throughout our city. You and me taking our call seriously to be a door of hope in a fragile and uncertain world. I don't know about you, but that picture inspired me. It challenged me and it went to the very core of how do I take this seriously? You see, acor means disaster or trouble. And we all have it. We have it in our own hearts. The people around us have it. But what are we going to do with that? Do we want to be the kings and the queens of that castle? I don't think so. There's a better way. You see, hope grows at the intersection of death, despair, and desperation. Hosea goes on in chapter 2 to say this. Chapter 2, verse 19 to 20. I will commit myself to you forever. This is God speaking. I will commit myself to you in righteousness and justice, in steadfast love and tender compassion. I will commit myself to you in faithfulness. Then you will acknowledge the Lord. You know what, door of hope and guests? God has done this. He has committed himself to you in all these things. Now it's up to us to acknowledge him and to accept what he's done on the cross. We need to be reminded who the king of the castle is tonight. You see, prophets prepared the way for a message, for God to move, for people to return to him. Prophets also had the ability to present the facts and point people to the truth. Here are the facts. Fact is, you live like you are in control. Truth is, Jesus is the king of the castle. Fact is, you feel lost and abandoned. Truth is, God is your heavenly father and will never abandon you. Fact is, you are struggling with self-image. Truth is, your identity is in Christ. Someone needs to hear that tonight. Fact is, you are stumbling in the darkness. Truth is, the word is a lamp to your feet. Fact is, you are trapped in addiction and regret. Truth is, Jesus took on your guilt and your shame. Fact is, you are living in pain. The truth is, the Holy Spirit is your comforter. Fact is, you are anxious. The truth is, the Holy Spirit gives you peace. The fact is, we live in a fragile and uncertain world, but the truth is that God is making all things new. Fact is, once you are dead in your sins, the truth is, if you have accepted Jesus, now you are alive in Christ. Fact is, many in our city are broken and hurting, including people in this room, including myself. The truth is, God has placed you in this city to be a door of hope, and our city needs Jesus, and you are his hands and his feet. Will you respond to him tonight? Replace the facts with truth because it's not the facts that set you free. It's the truth, and his name is Jesus. You see, Psalm 23 is a famous psalm, and many of you may have memorized it. I think I did a while ago, but I have to read it because it's not there right now, and there's many different translations. Um, but Psalm 23 is a really good one. Psalm of David says this, and it's worth memorizing. This is truth. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures. He leads me to refreshing waters. He restores my strength. 
He leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. You refresh my head with oil or water dripping from the ceiling. My cup is completely full. Surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life. You know, verse 6 is an interesting one. Up until recently, 2018, I read that as maybe like he pursues me like a fluffy cloud, pursues another fluffy cloud and sort of absorbs it and embraces it in like a nice kind of way. But actually, that's not what David's writing here. If you look at the NET version and you open up the little bits, yeah, I did that. That's what you do. You open up the bits. Pursue, the word pursue there is actually a bit different to a fluffy cloud pursuing another fluffy cloud, right? Or a giant teddy bear running after you, giving you a hug. The word pursue is actually more in line with how the enemy pursues. It's an aggressive, it's strategic. It's all-consuming. Our God is an all-consuming fire. And guess what? He is pursuing you in love. He is hunting you down. He's wrestling you down. Oh, would you just resist? Would you just let go? Would you allow Him to love you tonight? Allow Him to love you in the pain, in the trouble. Because I, get, I tell you what, when you just like give in to Him, he turns that hopelessness into an opportunity for hope for you and for the people you love. He pursues us with his love and he wants us to pursue one another in the same way, to love our city the same way he loved us, chasing the people down in our city in love, surrounding in love doors of hope in our city. You see, Jesus affirms this in John 13. 34 to 35, he says this, I will give you a new commandment to love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Why does he pursue you? Oh, because you are so valuable to him. He paid the highest price one could pay. He loves you and he longs for you to return to him. How will you respond to the truth tonight? It's good to be reminded that Christ is the king of the castle and we are the little rascals. But it's time to allow Christ to become the king of the castle. First place in your life. Allow his love to set you free. Find hope and motivate you to love one another. And together, we can see the darkness pushed back and hope restored in ourselves and our city. In Jesus' name. Woo-hoo.